Hello everybody out there in podcast land, this is Filmy Girl with just a quick little announcement before I drop us into the episode. Um, My guest for this episode just wanted to make very clear that she's speaking on behalf of herself um, and nobody else. So these are her opinions only, Um, you know, she's not speaking, you know, don't take her words as... Um, sort of the authoritative representation of every single person in the Korean diaspora. These are her opinions only. Um, And again, (laughs) another one of my anonymous guests. Um, But, you know, she's just very afraid of online harassment, which, you know, I don't blame her. I don't blame any of my guests for not really wanting to be named. you know, it's, I think it's a shame um, that we can't just talk about these things in K-pop fandom, you know, without fear of harassment, but that's not the world we live in, so. I wanted to make sure I had everything like I guess like remembered on um like my journal and I was thinking like wow these are actually some hard-hitting questions for <laughs> some of them because I don't think anyone at least like in that you know that group of PR journalists have really touched upon I don't know really how your listener base is like but depending on how they like feel about their consumption habits like eh, this might might ruffle their feathers just a little bit but well this is the feather ruffling podcast so (laughs) you've come you've come to the correct place (laughs) i love this pop music and it it really is because i do like it so much like i want people to be honest with their consumption habits yeah for sure the music and the the artists themselves are done a disservice when people refuse to acknowledge what goes on you know I I just think that it's um I mean we can get into it but I mean that's kind Mm. of where I'm coming from is that I think if you it's and this is an example that will definitely ruffle some feathers but it's like (laughs) when you see some of these like the you know the the international fans that they um they'll get like up in arms and so like furiously like vibrating with outrage about like some some idol wearing like a Native American headdress or something, right? And meanwhile, she's so thin that you know you, you like her bones would break if if like a strong gust of wind came through the door because of like a starvation diet. And it's like, well, where are your priorities really? You know, like yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, and and I think like a lot of people also don't realize or care even to know about the history i mean of course not saying that they're you know excusing them from like not learning or anything like that but you have to address from the beginning that those images didn't come there like spontaneously 
like soldiers brought that specifically the United States and the Japanese Imperial Army. And for me, I guess I didn't join. I mean, I guess like just a little bit of background on myself. Like I am Korean American, but I don't really claim the American part because my entire family is still back in the homeland while I'm here and waiting to finish up my studies. So And aside from that, like I have relatives who have worked in the industry during actually the 80s and 90s. So just listening to their views and then also listening to the other side of the family who have also been involved in activism against U.S. military occupation. There's no way to divorce K-pop from its social political development. And I think because that base doesn't really get covered, a lot of people tend to... I guess, misunderstand. Like, it, it's not just a cultural appropriation issue, but stuff like how they interpret K-pop being like a general population thing as well. And also not understanding like why that genre got elevated because I was reading another research article and like this was a concentrated effort into promoting K-pop rather than something like Trot. Like, I, I can guarantee 100% that if Trot was the one that was being promoted and backed, I don't think it would have really caught on globally to this extent. All right. Well, let's, yeah. um, <laughs> let's pause right there and let's get things started with a song mm-hmm. as we do. Um, do you have <laughs> something in mind you want to play or um, any, any, literally anything mm-hmm. you can even send me something later and I can mm-hmm. insert it in here.
let's kind of jump in with just you know very simple like easy question uh what what is k-pop i think just calling it a music genre is a disservice because even even with all the researchers that i've been reading through their articles there's not really a consensus among them so the genre is still being debated at least in scholarly circles because just calling it you know, like a Korean music genre performed by Korean groups is kind of where the baseline is at. But I think there's more room to really discuss it because um, the scholar that at least that I'm currently focused on right now calls it a product export. Like that's his um, opinion about K-pop, that it's basically pop nationalism. So between his definition and the others, I would say that's my preferred one for now, but in the overall K-pop is still being debated about what even it is. I think that makes a lot of sense, actually, because um, I've done, you know, a lot of reading in Japanese sources. And I mean, J-pop really is, it's a domestic label applied domestically to sort of Japanese popular music consumed within Japan. But K-pop... It's really a label applied externally for music sent abroad. I think just the research even into K-pop is so kind of kind of newish. Like, I mean, of course, like a lot of Korean American scholars and also just the diaspora in general have been talking about this in research circles. But I, I still think that K-pop and research in itself about it is still not really taken as seriously but I've seen some really exciting material come out um, in recent years but um, the Kingston uh, research conference that is definitely not included in that list (laughs) what about the one hosted by Big Hit uh, over in Seoul I mean I I have very complicated um, feelings about any type of corporation sponsoring a research conference because the obvious you know, the obvious glaring issue is that the conflict of interest, like I'm wondering how much, like what were the terms and conditions for these researchers to even be featured for? Like, were there any opinions being censored? Like, were, could you even write something critical about BTS's creation and still get accepted into this conference? So I I would like to see something that's independent. I mean, there's a lot of diaspora who have been doing independent research conferences and I've been following more of those. Um, I, I don't really care about, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't really care about company sponsored research conferences and same goes for the fandom because um, I mean, the Kingston for, for instance, like just a very brief glimpse into it. Like I was reminded of the book that I'm reading again by um, the current scholar that I'm focusing on. Um, And he criticized a lot of these K-pop research conferences and articles and said that it felt like these people were centering the fandom too much in these research um, articles instead of really focusing on like a broader approach or really focusing on other factors like talking about industry politics or again talking about what even developed k-pop into this issue but 
I mean, that's just what I have though. Like what I, how I feel personally about that Kingston, <laughs> Kingston conference and that big hit one. Um, I have talked to other Korean Americans too, and they have said some similar comments too about those two conferences. I think it tracks with, I mean, mm-hmm. my overall impression of sort of the English language, Anglosphere, um, sort of K-pop world. Uh, it really is heavily, heavily focused on the fans, and you know, to an extent, almost that nothing else seems to matter. You know, not the not the condition of the working conditions of the idols, like not the, um, yeah, the politics behind the scenes, certainly not how, you know, these, these things are perceived like back in Mm -hmm. Korea. It Mm -hmm. just is very focused on, um, just focused on the fans and, um, selling you things, which I mean, and then, you know, no one ever questioned why that is and like why certain forces um may you know they definitely want it this way even looking at the bts international army fandom and how they operate and move um like a collective it's very clear that instead of really focusing on more of the important topics it seems like they're very um focused more on like what and how the fandom can be perceived and what are the ways that we can um, convey that image? I mean, it's not just the the research, the ridiculous research conference. <laughs> um, my God, like I, I when I was just reading through the paper titles, I was like, my God, like I'm just gonna exit and pretend like I never saw that. I mean, I, I saw some someone's title, like the paper, like is K-pop a soft power? And I'm like, gee like as if diaspora scholars haven't been attacking this issue for like over like at least a good 10 years ahead of you guys at least like I mean not not just that but also I I mean I'm not gonna say her her name I remember last year or I mean not last year actually a couple of months ago that I was asking around um about the research papers because I knew that some of them were on Twitter and openly discussing them. And I remember, you know, just asking her, you know, politely, like, what other issues are you going to investigate beyond this? Like, what is your scope of approach? And my my um, question was just basically hinting at like, why, why are you centering the fandom so much in, in your article? And um, she was just very condescending with how, how she responded. Like, I remember how, she when she replied to me she was um saying that like that wasn't important like that rather than asking that question that what was most important is that her research about army the fandom of course and everything they do uh was more important and i mean like i i don't really know how to even take um researchers seriously like that if they're actually like on Twitter openly battling um, people who just have genuine questions and kind of concerns about what they're putting out. Just overall, like my conflicted feelings about these fandom and company organized um, research conferences, really. Well, you know what it reminds me of is um, there's uh, there's this movie Ghost World 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen it or, but it, it opens up with um, this, it opens up with like a Bollywood song kind of just out of nowhere, like a 60s campy like retro song. And, you know, um, a white girl, like, alone in a room dancing to it, right? That's how I feel about a lot of these sort of international fans, where... All they're doing is playing alone in their rooms to this sort of decontextualized art. And I mean, you know, yes, to be fair, it is exported to us. And I think if you're just passively consuming it, you know, fine. But anyone that's looking deeper and doesn't use Asian sources, doesn't try to look for Asian mm-hmm. sources, <laughs> doesn't yep. even try to bother to like to look outside of kind of the narrative getting handed down to you by these gatekeepers. Like if you're totally fine accepting translations from, you know, cherry picked translators that are sort of force fed to you, um, you know, what kind of scholar are you really? Uh, I mean, I just don't, I personally don't understand how you can claim to be studying K-pop without bothering to learn Korean um, or, you know, going directly to the Korean primary sources. I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense to me. Yeah, and I, I've been going at it for a while, like just ranting on Twitter because that was originally what I had joined for, like not not to join Stan Twitter, but to really rant about stuff but stan twitter is a cesspool yeah it is and i oh god like i i hate them they deserve no rights um <laughs> i i guess like my issue with that too is that all the research just seems shallow like all of the bts researchers that participated in that ridiculous um joke of a conference it just doesn't hit like it doesn't hit the bullseye doesn't even come close to hitting um, the actual point. And what kind of analysis can you offer really beyond, um, beyond, I guess, like what your personal feelings are and using like international sources, I guess, because maybe I'm wrong, but like from what I remember looking at those titles, none of them, none of them mentioned the IMF crisis of 1997 um, none of them mentioned also what U.S. imperialism like played a role in our country, um, a huge role even to this day. And, you know, if K-pop fans don't really want to consume critically, I think that's also an issue because that's why we get <sighs> these ridiculous, like xenophobic, like anti-Korean takes. Um, and we get like a lot of conflict happening on Twitter and mistranslations um, nothing is really explored through a Korean lens. I've seen ridiculous take, like takes about the Korean War, um, uh, about the recent incident too with the Japanese imperialism controversy. And um, I think at this point, I, I really would like to see international fans um, take a step back and calm down, first of all. Yeah, because let's... Let's get into it. I mean, like the Japanese, after they left 
after World War II, I mean, the Americans moved right in. And I think a lot of people on Stan Twitter, um, and I mean, even the academics, you know, they don't really stop and think about cultural transmission and, and think about you have these bases, you have these soldiers coming in. You, the music, the musicians, they play on the bases, they learn Western songs. Of course, it's going to seep out into the, you know, popular music of the of the country. Like, that's just how that works. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how can you, I mean, I think some of these discussions on, like, cultural appropriation and, mm-hmm. you know, claims of stealing or whatever, like, I feel like there's a real big piece missing when you think about the fact that there are soldiers on bases who who could be pushing this stuff, you know, into the into the surrounding areas. And how can you how can you I don't know, like how can you claim that that um, you know, every Korean person that's doing rap and hip hop owes a debt that they have to be constantly um talking about to America yeah. when mm-hmm. America's in their backyard. Yeah, and and they still won't leave. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna get too much into the history of it because you know, the peninsula was originally already you know they were as one. I still consider us as one. Like, you know, you're not gonna go up to a random Korean person and ask like, do you see the North as your neighbors? Like, they're they're our fellow people. Um, they share our customs, even though a lot of them have diverged at this point because of the forced separation, thanks to the United States. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think people, a lot of K-pop fans are even ready to reconcile like what and how big of a role the U.S. military played in this, because I tried having that conversation actually on Twitter and I got some pushback because, I mean, I wasn't surprised because um a lot of people do have family in the military. Um, a lot of people will see the military kind of as their last um, hope because it got them through school. Um, it got them room and board. But it's really a serious question to consider because even in the research book that I'm um, reading, like it talks about how these soldiers, when they arrived, uh, when they invaded the peninsula in the 50s and in the actual military bases, these soldiers, because they were homesick, they would ask around the locals to see who needed money um, in order to kind of like forcibly give them jobs to like sing songs that they missed from America. And, you know, I think you can't, you can't leave that, um, that out of the puzzle. And I think that's why a lot of, a lot of takes that I see on Stan Twitter, just I just disagree with because they're missing the whole entire context. Like the the army should never had should never had um, invaded. Like that's the honest truth, and that's what a lot of Korean people think. Also, including in the diaspora, um, there are a lot of activists who have been continuously trying to um, protest for removal of U.S. military troops for over, I think, I mean, over 40 years at this point. And I have a few family members who are still a part of it. They always were there and they still are marching. 
So, you know, like, I mean, people, international fans don't really care about their history. Like, they're not gonna, you know, look up about why there's such a huge, like, anti-American uh, belief, not just in Korea, but in a lot of regions, um, because that would really mean, like, a closer look at what your troops are doing in these countries. Um, like, I, I guess, like, I saw, like, Sai's comment going viral. Like, I remember that when he said, you know, we need to kill the Yankees, like, go back home. Like, that that wasn't said in vain. Like, that was said right at the height, I think, of the protests, like, in the early 2000s because of what U.S. troops did to those teenage girls. Like, my my grandparents were a part of that protest. So it it just feels a little bit weird, I guess, to be in this bubble of, like, reading international fans' stuff and then thinking about, like, how imperialism has impacted the entire peninsula and abroad and i mean i have family who have dabbled in both and still are so it's it's a very interesting conversation to have yeah it's i mean the effects of colonialism i mean it it, they're not easy to face especially you know coming from america where we don't we don't like to talk about these things and i mean for me coming from bollywood fandom I've seen, um, I've seen a lot of this stuff kind of, um, play out in that community. Um, gosh, I mean, it must've been about, I want to say like 15, 15, 16 years ago, I really felt things start to change where like Bollywood became more, um, they dabbled with trying to reach kind of a broader, like mainstream, you know, white, um, American audience. Um, mm-hmm. but it really, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And, um, like they never found their BTS basically. Um, and yeah. so, um, what happened was it really went, it, it kind of turned like into sort of a parallel entertainment system really, really aimed at, the diaspora like sort of the desi like diaspora and you know recognizing this i mean that's a real big part of why i sort of stepped back from that because you know that's that really was an entertainment like for me like (laughs) i'm white um and you know and that was at the point where i really just started um Mm -hmm. doing movie reviews of like sort of regional cinema where um uh, it wasn't it wasn't so focused on exporting to that specific community because I found that my reception as a foreigner was always um, I was always a lot more welcome like talking with like Indians actually in India um, just because it wasn't part of their identity right like Bollywood it wasn't I mean it, it was just movies so it was fine that I watched a movie because it was just a movie. Like everyone likes movies, but like Bollywood, Bollywood uh, in the West had become like sort of a, this is a space for desis, like desis only. And you know, like fine. Um, I totally respect that. But what's interesting to me with K-pop is that like it did sort of cross that barrier and move away from centering the diaspora to chasing this sort of foreign 
like foreign foreign audience yeah and and you must have seen that happen like and it was probably about the same time i want to say like the mid sort of mid 2000s yep like yeah Mm -hmm. that's i would say that's pretty accurate too because that's actually where i pinpoint as like oh the start of like doomsday um because i remember like when i was growing up um when my my parents missed home they would ask for some of our relatives to send cassette tapes of recordings of like an ses um performance or like uh what xinhua like performed on like a music show a few days ago or like weeks ago and i remember even in our community there would be shops that would lend um drama videotapes at the time because that's when you know they i think like they charged like a dollar or something for each videotape and it was like every friday when a new episode would come out and that's when everyone would line up at the video shop to like rent um whatever favorite episode they were waiting for and I also remember like a lot of the Asian markets in general, like not just the Korean markets, but like the Vietnamese uh, Vietnamese markets and also some of the Chinese markets locally would play K-pop even before, you know, even before it really reached, I guess, like locals per se. And there would be actual like CD, like album shops imported within these markets. So um, we didn't really need to go through like K-pop Mart or whatever those sites um, are currently. We could just buy them straight from the source, I guess. The diaspora is going to have conflicted feelings about this, but just based on like my personal feelings, like I never, I don't really think that K-pop really even catered to us in the first place. Um some some people, some Korean Americans specifically might claim it because they're like, well, this is the representation we're going to get because we're not we don't have that type of power in Hollywood. So this is what we got to settle with. But for me, like just knowing the roots of it, just knowing how it developed and what it's currently funding to like, I, I don't want to claim it. Um, and I know that a lot of people that I've talked to, at least in the community, feel like that. Um, the way that they described K-pop actually was like, it's like the worst pinnacle of neoliberalism. It's the worst representation of what um, of what happened to our country. But now it's being elevated to an international population. The mid two thousands, I would say it is it was a turning point, but I, I don't really like where the direction is going. I mean, I personally just don't agree with the industry overall. So that's the way I feel about it. But I've noticed like not just with the mid two thousands, but whenever when One Direction disbanded, like that was that the was, apocalypse. Yeah, that was another huge shift. Like I've never I've never participated in that fandom. But just seeing like how people reacted during their 10th year anniversary tweet and seeing how much of them were talking about what they did and normalized, like hacking surveillance tapes, like that type of stuff. I was like, oh, well, so that's why we even have like even worse of a 
because you guys brought those tactics with you into these K-pop fandoms. Like, I don't remember doxing being this normalized um, when it was still more of like a diaspora kind of thing, but also like it was mostly like, in my opinion, at least, like it was mostly Asian and Black fans uh, with K-pop at the time. Um, I mean, of course, there were white fans and other <laughs> um, other <laughs> others as well. But I remember there wasn't really that much fighting because everyone was trying like they were busy trying to translate stuff or like find content on YouTube or like Daily Motion, like like Star King episodes, for instance, like you couldn't watch that all in once. Like you would have to divide that into like eight parts <laughs> or something. So YouTube wouldn't like copyright you. Like that's what I remember. I've talked like, about yeah, I've definitely like, talked about this before. Yeah, where you would you'd be looking, you'd be like watching, and like part three of eight would be missing. It'd be like fuck, and you'd be like, well, yeah. okay, I'll just figure out what happened. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like if part three was missing, you would just assume like, oh, maybe maybe it's like not in the recommended section, but like maybe you have to go down. onto the channel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's um, there really weren't that many white fans, I think, until a lot later. Um, and yeah, I think the One Direction thing was a huge turning point. And they really did bring a lot of those tactics with them, um, unfortunately. And I don't know how to describe what I see. Um, especially coming from all those years spent um, in the Bollywood fandom. But, you know, in ways, it is different because this stuff is getting exported to us. And I think that is a huge difference. Um, but in some ways, I think it's it's really not. Like, if you do want to con- consume sort of foreign content, I mean, I think I think it is only right to sort of take some time and, like, you know, do the work and, and, you know, if you feel offended by something or you don't understand something or something looks weird and, and just sort of take a step back and and say like, well, what am I really offended at here? And, um, yeah. And, and go from there because there's, and I've, well, I've brought this up like a million Mm -hmm. times. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and no one ever seems to listen to me, but, um, yeah. There's this movie called Parabar Pashim, and um, it's basically, it was 19, I want to say 1967, but it's basically a brain drain movie. So basically his character goes to the UK to study, and he meets this very westernized um, Indian girl there who wears mini skirts, and she's got a big blonde um, beehive. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they fall in love. Um, but, like, he, 
<laughs> he keeps going around giving these speeches about like what are you guys doing over here when your homeland needs you and what are you doing here in the UK like having this great life when back home like we need to figure out how to feed everybody and we need to figure out how to do XYZ um, like the British left us with nothing and and so at the end of the movie like well okay spoiler like at the end of the movie he goes back and you know she comes with him and at the very end she changes from her mini skirt like into a sari right mm-hmm. and I just remember like or just sort of indignant responses from some of my white like Bollywood friends who who felt that this was like cons- too conservative and like oh my god it's so misogynist you know he made her cover up like blah 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 like oh she was so free and um wearing mini skirts and now she's just gonna get married and like wear a sari Mm -hmm. and it just felt like well okay but you're missing the whole point which is that (laughs) like you're missing the whole point that this is not a movie about um freedom to wear a mini skirt which Mm -hmm. sure if you want to wear a mini skirt you should be able to wear a mini skirt but the whole point is that she's wearing traditional indian like clothes and chose to go back and like work to make things better like in her homeland and like that was the point of the movie not the fact that oh she's not going to be like a free liberated woman like having a job in london that's a different Mm -hmm. movie like (laughs) sure that story exists but this story is about I don't know it just seemed like the whole point of the film just like passed them over and I'm like how can you watch all these hours of Indian films and not get Mm -hmm. that that this that the brain drain existed that you know that maybe being in London is not the best thing for everybody Um, that maybe some people want to go back and make things better and like with where their parents came from and mm-hmm. like these are complicated issues but if you don't even look at the other side mm-hmm. and all you see is that mini skirt mm-hmm. and in your mind it represents freedom but in somebody else's mind it doesn't and you don't even bother to to look at the others like how how can you say you understand these films or that you're even a fan of these films like and i just see that same lack of of energy towards looking at things from a different point of view Mm -hmm. in these international k-pop fans and i'm like can you call yourself a fan if you've you know if all you see is a history of boy bands going from you know in sync to bts yeah like that's your that's what you see i mean okay but like there's a whole other half of the planet <laughs> like, like, you have to look at things from from a different point of view sometimes Everybody is a fool, baby. Everybody is a fool, baby. Sabhi se jawani mein hoti, pyar ki fool, baby. Hoti, 
प्यार की भूल में भी ओए ट्विंकल ट्विंकल लिटल सटार हाउ आई वंडर व्हाट यू आर हाउ आई वंडर व्हाट यू आर समझे मैडम व्हाट आई मीन आई डोंट थिंक दे आर इंटरेस्टेड इन दैट आई मीन इवन बिफोर like years before i guess like i caught on to this and diaspora scholars of course were already on this too but something about even well of course the othering that happens with with kpop kind of makes these groups like blank slates in my opinion that people just project onto like people project onto whatever their fantasies are and don't really care about anything else beyond that i mean of course there are exceptions but but when i talk about like the majority of international fandoms and it was very clear um when just how they respond in general like um how they think that k-pop is like a general public thing like that was already clear that they did not know anything about the peninsula about about her home um any comment about goddamn enlistment thing like my god like that any comment about the korean war that i've seen on stan twitter like any even even the recent incident with that nct member about how people responded um i've i saw like tweets go over like 10k likes about how you know we should protect with like protect him sympathize with him like he misses home not just that but also just how people talk about korea as a country um ignoring the history and even the presence of what us military occupation and sanctions does to our country even to this day and seeing like i, I mean this is why like i don't take stan twitter seriously i don't consider them intelligent or any degree of you know being worth to be listened to but i i don't consider comments from them important at all i don't care about theirs like their opinion because usually it's uneducated um they haven't read anything like that too and then just seeing how like sites like netizen buzz and panchoa get really uh, really popular with the international fandom has been really annoying too because the administrators for both of those sites and basically the people who started it are not even korean like they're not korean they're not native speakers they're not fluent either and they don't even live in korea and they have been shown to ch- like cherry pick comments and misinterpret like certain things and not even provide context which of course is going to skew like again like i i don't like the massive amount of fandom labor that people do in kpop but again if you're going to take it on as a responsibility then i think you owe that to your audience to do it well um and not let your personal biases like get into it but just seeing the comments on those are like i i would have to like deliberately not read them because it would just make me so angry because of how like you know stuff like when there was like a lot of controversy over like snst's tiffany for instance like when she was wearing that uh rising sun flag like a lot of people in the comments were like oh my god like why are korean people so racist against japanese people like why are like why are they like judging them like oh my god this is a sign that you guys are backwards or whatever and i'm like i mean you do realize like these people like japan's empire i mean i don't want to compare them and say them that they were the exact like equal of the united states but they they colonized 
the entirety pretty much of Asia and beyond at one point. And if it wasn't, again, for the liberation movements all over across the region, then I don't I don't know, like, what to say, really. I mean, like, again, just I, I couldn't believe that I, I was seeing a lot of people on Stan Twitter defend Japanese imperialism, of all things, like, and making excuses. Like, oh my God. You said it, though. They're uneducated about inter-Asian politics. A lot of mm-hmm. times they try to speak over Asian fans. Um, it's, <laughs> like, it's just really it's just frustrating and no one ever seems to want to learn more they just want to dominate the conversation you know in support of opa i mean that's it (laughs) (laughs) for sure for sure for sure it really doesn't matter um what what the, the topic is because for a lot of people like a lot of these fans sort of their beginning and end is living vicariously through these groups um it's that competition that k-pop the sort of the you know export k-pop like that market it um that's what it does is that it you know sets up all these groups as teams i mean and if your team isn't winning or your team is winning and you want to gloat or your team's not winning and you want to take down the other team i mean that's what it's like it's a big it's a big game and I think for the small fraction of people that understand that that it's a game you know it can be fun um you know to follow along and like see oh who won music bank this week like that you know it can be fun but I think when you try to draw conclusions from this stuff that like you know without realizing like how shallow it really is then yeah you just end up sounding like an idiot how many people on stan twitter just think like asia is just one big thing like one big region with zero differentiation between the countries and i mean i've seen racist and xenophobic comments about basically every asian country from you know there was one really awful one that upset some of my um uh friends from southeast asia but like referring to like southeast asian fans is like bot farms or like click farms you know in, in Ugh, one of these voting things and God. i was just like yeah. really <laughs> like those are human beings or um you know the american fans who completely ignore the fact that um you know chinese fans will vote and do a lot of this stuff over vpn and korean fans will too Um, in America to, you know, boost billboard rankings and stuff and Mm -hmm. to just completely ignore that, Mm -hmm. you know, like the fact that those fans exist and are doing work, fandom work, uh, it's, it's very bizarre to me or just the way that, that like domestic things are really dismissed and like, oh, you know, no sold out tour in America, like no opinion. I'm like, well, you know, some of the, yeah, you know, like what was it? Got seven was gonna have like some um, before the virus like ruined everything. They were gonna have like a big, um, like stadium tour in uh, Thailand, I guess, or like a big stadium show in Thailand. Yeah, Um, and just the way that like I saw that dismissed as like nothing. I'm like, well, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. it's it's 
it's just very odd like the anti like how can you be a fan of an asian group and have such a strong anti-asian sentiment like it makes no sense to me um except for like you said like i think for a lot of people these groups are just sort of blank slates to sort of project whatever it is they want onto them and the problem is when Mm-hmm. that sort of leaves sort of these small fandom spaces and like mm-hmm. is let loose on Twitter and then you know Western media starts writing articles about nonsense I, I don't know again like what is it about K-pop that makes these stands think that they're like the know-it-alls about like East Asian politics about imperialism about how things manifest or even talking about the DPRK like I I, I mean, I got threats for that, for even talking about that. And, like, the whole of, like, NCT's, um, a lot of their fans, like, threatened like threatened me with that nonsense when I called them out. But it's true. Like, a lot of them regurgitate propaganda, not just about the DPRK, but a lot of um, Asian countries. And I wish that they would leave it alone. Like, if you don't know anything, shutting up is free. Like, just... You know, that's what I've been telling people. Just stand stand the idols and leave us alone. Like, stand the idols and leave our country alone and leave our politics alone. Like, the whole reason that this is a mess to begin with is because America got involved when it shouldn't have. So I, I wish these stands wouldn't repeat that same entitled attitude even to what they're doing right now. Just knowing how how all of this is set up, like I guarantee that a lot of these idols do have people, like do have family members just like I do in the DPRK that they can't see because of U.S. sanctions. Like a lot of us have family members who have been directly affected by Japanese Imperial Army soldiers and also by U.S. troops and starting not just with our grandparents, but even some of our parents too. So I, I really really like that's that's the one request is that just stand your idols and leave us alone like don't don't talk about our politics don't talk about a country like that like just stand your your goddamn idols and leave us alone like it's tricky because on one hand you do have korea saying please come learn about our country come learn our language come vacation here Mm -hmm. but you know, a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. Yeah. A little bit of knowledge is dangerous. And I think especially since, um, you know, being a fan in sort of the Western context has become so political. People have taken it as their identity, right? And so when you have these people who are so married to the idea of like, well, my identity comes from the product I consume and there's this like weird um like transference that happens so you have like like white people non-Asians saying things like oh a Korean group did that you know about a billboard chart placement and it's like well is that really something you should be bragging about mm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like you know like maybe just not <sighs> like you can be yeah. happy for your group but like why are you bringing the ethnicity into it why are you claiming xenophobia when a radio station doesn't want to deal with um f- you know bts fans um that's not necessarily xenophobia like 
<laughs> like maybe yeah. you're just annoying. Um, yeah. And, and like some of these issues are things that, that people have been dealing with in America for like decades. Um, like how many Spanish speakers are there in this country? And still like we have a Grammys and a Latin Grammys, you know, like it's, it's, things are complicated and it, it does get frustrating when, yeah, these fans who have just learned the word xenophobia yesterday and are suddenly like seeing it everywhere. Like, well, maybe just take a step back. I, I, I'm gonna be honest though. Um, even, I mean, like I love all my diaspora wherever they are, but I'm, I'm speaking mostly from a Korean American perspective because that's where I'm at right now. But a lot of, even the Korean Americans never really claimed K-pop. So that's why this is even more interesting to me because like I was kind of like the oddball one out because there weren't a lot of Korean Americans who even wanted anything to do with K-pop because they either didn't like the music or they thought it was really silly or, or unethical about how these K-pop companies recruited people. So they didn't want anything to do with it, at least in my community. And so there weren't a lot of Korean fans in general, um, at least here in America. And finding fellow like Korean American fans in K-pop was like finding a needle in a haystack. Like I would get so excited because I'm like, oh, like finally, like another like motherland person that I can talk to about specific issues with because there are certain issues that can't be conveyed to like international fans or to like basically like non-Korean fans um, without, I guess, like having that shared like history. And so it's just very interesting to see how like K-pop wasn't even really largely claimed by Korean Americans and still kind of isn't, but we have like, you know, accounts like on the BTS side of fandom, like charging for like information, which I thought that was like the most weirdest thing, like, you know, charging information on like, es like expert topics or whatever, like expert knowledge on this when they're not even Korean. And I'm like, what are you even talking about? Like, I don't, <laughs> If, if that's the case, like I should be the one charging like people and I, I don't do that. I don't think that I don't even want to do that. But, you know, it's just so, so weird. Like the I called Stan culture out many times about this, too. But people really do project a lot onto their idols. And there is a connection between a lot of um, stands having mental health problems and using K-pop as an escape, but it's not just K-pop, of course, it's like pop culture, like books, movies, a lot of things. But seeing like how that also plays into all of this, like I, I, I just think that people have gotten way too emotionally attached to idols. And I think they need to take a, a step back and think about like, when's the healthy boundary to draw and when am I letting myself getting way too emotionally affected by these idols, uh, by their achievements, by their failures and stuff like that? So, um, well, yeah, you said it, um, you know, just a second ago where, where people do get tied up in these worlds. And, yeah. and I do think that for a large part of the international, like specifically Western fandom, they treat, Korea and they treat K-pop like it is um, Harry Potter or um, I don't know whatever the Game of Thrones 
country is. Um, but th- yeah, maybe Game of Thrones is a better metaphor, but they treat it like a fictional country where there are like rules and there's like magic and like whatever. And these people are fictional and, and, and there's just like a lack of, a lack of understanding. I think that, that what you like, that you can close the book and the world is like, it's there for you to pick up and read again, like anytime you want. But like Mm -hmm. Korea is a real place a real mm-hmm. country with real problems and you can't just solve it with petitions about bts not enlisting like <laughs> you know what God. i mean <laughs> like that's uh, not like that's that is that's like cross it's like like crossing the streams or whatever like i'm just gonna yeah. mix 20 fictional metaphors in here but writing to george rr R. martin and demanding that he solve like the international currency crisis or whatever like (laughs) Uh, you know it's not it doesn't work like that like you know i think people as on stan twitter especially but like you know k-pop fans in general just have this lack of understanding about that this sort of gated community that has been created for them on purpose um to play in and mm-hmm. whenever they try to break out of it, it's just embarrassing for everybody. God, like the enlistment situation, like, like that's not, I mean, that's a whole issue in itself. But <laughs> I mean, that's not even something that we even wanted as a country. Like that's, again, a product, a direct product of what the U.S. military did because they forcibly cut us into the 38th parallel they didn't you know even ask any korean community or like how we felt about the issue they drew that parallel border and they even they admitted like years like decades after that it was just completely random like even like cutting it at that exact place like that was completely random for them so you know again like the military enlistment requirement for all Korean men, like that's a direct product of U.S. imperialism. So then like K-pop stands being like, oh, like let's put a change.org like petition, you know, so like the Korean military department will give idols like exemptions. Like, first of all, the exemption was never even for idols to begin with. Like it was for people who did like a great national service. So people like, well, and you're um, saying BTS have not done a great national service by singing songs by Melanie Fontana at the Grammy for two <laughs> seconds? <laughs> I I think I actually want them to quickly go away <laughs> because <laughs> I I mean, well, I have nothing to lose anyways, but I want them to disband. Um, they've already picked their path with what they're doing with the university announcement and anyone, anyone who's in, I mean, who's remotely like aware of it or even part of the diaspora knows how seriously military enlistment is seen as like even Korean American um, men and like people beyond like have to make sure that their embassy like they have to check with their embassy to make sure that they don't have to serve because that's well that's like another issue in itself too but um aside from that like it's like enlistment is so tied in with our national um with nationalism but also class status as well because just a little bit of history of enlistment like 
a lot of Korean families who were wealthy would deliberately go abroad to have their children, especially if they were expecting sons to avoid having them enlist. So that also plays into it. And it's also kind of just seen as like a necessary evil. Like if everyone has to serve, then celebrities are going to serve too. Like doesn't matter if, you know, what type of privilege or, you know, class ranking you have, like everyone's going to serve one way or another, like whether it's public service um, or some sort of other role. Like, and like there have been so many celebrities who've tried to avoid military enlistment through illegal ways. Like Yu Sung Jin is a famous example because even the diaspora knew about him all the way, but not just him, but like, um, I think like Chang Gun Seok, and oh, MC yeah. MC Mong, yeah, yeah like Jung Kung Suk, like <sighs> I I vividly remember that, like uh. vividly remember that because he was so huge, yep. and like understandably, I mean, I think you know, sort of the momentum, and and everyone was like. well 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 what happened you know it's um yeah that did not work out well for him yep and bts is taking the exact same route as he is because it's the same university and his career never recovered after that like i don't think international fans realize like how big enlistment is like it doesn't matter of course like if you serve like a desk role like yeah people are still gonna shit at, like shit on you in the comments for being lazy or something but they're not gonna they're not, it's not gonna be as bad as like not going not going to service and um the fact that like they're they're covering the exact base that chang Seok did with the cyber university and like him donating to the university years later as a thank you for helping him with that, with delaying service. Um, his career never recovered. Like he was huge, huge during that drama stage of like to the beautiful you and everything. Like he could have done really well if he had just gone um, properly from the first, like from the beginning. And so when I, when I saw like BTS choose that same cyber university, I was like, Hmm, this this seems like another one of those cases. And then I saw like how they royally like messed up the PR announcement. Like they, I don't know. I don't know if other people had noticed, but Metro's whole, I think they had uploaded the original article and they had deleted that. Like, I think 20 minutes afterwards. And then big hit like released like a totally new article, like with different details. I took I screenshots because I was like, oh, my God, your PR department, I knew it was terrible, but this is, like, this is bad because, like, some of my mutuals even noticed, and they also screenshotted as well, but I was like, this is just blatant, like. So when I was in Seoul last fall, I met up with a Korean friend of mine who I hadn't mm-hmm. seen in, like, 20 years um, <laughs> since we were at school together. Um but it was funny because I, you know, I was there for concerts and I didn't want to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, because she's, um, 
you know, she's a professional and um, very sophisticated. And I was like, oh, I'm going to a concert. <laughs> when she asked, you know, what I was doing like the next day. Mm-hmm. And um, she's like, oh, who? And I was like, well, winner. And she's like, oh, my God, I love Chinu. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. And from then we were like, I was like, okay, we can talk about show business. But um, it was funny. We were in the metro and we were walking past like some idol poster. And she, she, she turns to me, she's like, who is this? I see mm-hmm. it everywhere. And it was mm-hmm. um, Jimin from BTS. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, BTS not as popular as you'd think um and is that uh is is my impression kind of uh correct or i mean how popular are bts really i mean this is just what i've heard from you know not just friends but also family members like everyone i'm like listening and like getting my opinions from are very like young ish like 20s 30s um Maybe a little bit in the 40s, too. But, like, I mean, just to begin with that subject, like, K-pop in itself is already, like, a subculture. Like, it's not seen as, like, a huge, like, genre back home. Like, it's not, like, it's kind of like the Disney Channel, like, teenage equivalent. Like, like what's that one show, like, Sunny with a Chance, maybe? Like, yeah. it's, it's not seen seriously. Like, it's just seen, like, oh, like, okay, like pop culture teenagers like adolescents like you grow out of it but it's just kind of what you do as like a regular teen or young adult and then I mean of course there are older fans too but like majority speaking you know like people just consume it but it's not seen as like oh like the general public knows it or like (laughs) oh like everyone like from like digital digital and like um like chalado and like everyone in the countryside or like in the more like non-city areas like knows it like that's not the case at all like, wait so you're telling me that aunties it, like across the country and uncles are not <laughs> sitting around mass voting for music bank every week are you kidding <laughs> oh my god like I, i'm just like thinking of like the reactions that some of my um some of my relatives had when i showed them like pictures of k-pop boy <laughs> and they're like who's that like are they like are they, are they advertising something <laughs> like what why are they in the the media for like um you know it's a subculture and i think like anyone especially like the international fandoms like if they want to take k-pop in its entirety like you have to realize like from the first rule of the game is that it's a subculture like it's not it's not even the music genre that dominates the the charts because like i'm thankful that they finally made the chart changes but <laughs> I mean, before, even before then, like, people would brag about, like, oh, but, but, like, they got, like, number ones, like, all kills and blah, 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 blah. But, like, but that, how long is that sustained? Like, is that sustained for, like, a day or two? Does it quickly free fall? Like, does that last, like, months or years even? Like, if it's driven mostly by fandom power and if it's only lasting, like, maybe a couple of days or, like, even maybe, like, a week then I don't think that's, like, reflective of, like, over 50 million people in Korea. Like, let's just be logical here. Like, um, like it's – and and no one believed that. Like, a lot of international fans wouldn't believe that until the chart changes finally came. And they realized, like, oh, like, maybe our groups are actually not as popular as we thought 
they were well they just stopped talking about the charts in korea yeah. is what they did is that now mm-hmm. they just don't talk about them yeah. um and it's <laughs> i mean all i'll say is the only place i heard bts when i was in seoul was um in the cable car um up to namsan tower so you know that's who they're playing it for is tourists even just like going to like places like Hongdae or Insadong, like places that are very like more catering towards like foreigners, like them selling like K-pop stuff or like playing, blasting like K-pop music a lot. Like that's a very deliberate thing. Like the locals like know what these foreigners are coming to the motherland for. Like it's not like it's some sort of hidden secret. Like they know they can tell. And, and so that's why like K-pop is not the preferred music by the general public from the beginning it's seen as a subculture it's not taken seriously either not so much it's just seen as like a passing like it's it's like a stage for some teenagers but it's not really seen like that much seriously beyond that and i i guess like i read like someone tweeting i don't know i don't remember who it was but she she was like frustrated that um the lady at the the market wouldn't recognize who jungkook was oh yes <laughs> and and she was trying to buy like the t-money card you know for the subway like loading the fare and she was getting really frustrated and i just like looked at that and i was like you're gonna like think that jungkook is like popular with the general public like that, but, uh, but that I thought one, he was the yeah. nation's it boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's another phrase. Isn't that what <laughs> told us all? He's the nation's it boy? <laughs> she's a joke. She is a plant. Like, I know she's an employee with Big Hit, for sure, because I asked some of my, like, old contacts, too, and they were like, yeah, like, she's <laughs> kind of, she, I like, we thought she was kind of obvious, but, like, wow, you picked it up, too, like, really quickly. But, I mean, like, I added her like I at her and a few other Korean people at her and asked her like why are you mistranslating articles like why are you taking like like last year's August article I think one of the examples was that she took like she took out the context of this like BTS big hit like Grammy American award shows and how exclusive they were and she took it totally out of context and um, a lot of us before and even now at her and said like what are you doing like why are you mistranslating purposely for the audience and making them think one thing when it's really the other and she just blocked all of us of course like she um i think it was like less than like one minute after i tweeted at her and she just blocked me but <laughs> it's, it's whatever i guess like um if you say anything that doesn't agree with her or with the company's priorities she'll just automatically block you what i find really unethical is i think it's fine to have company pr like every company needs pr right like a pr person but you should identify yourself the fact that she doesn't identify herself i think Mm -hmm. is really unethical yeah i i think like like i i just wish that she would be honest from the start like instead of like dropping hints like of exclusive information she has because anyone who's worked in the industry well specifically like a lot of Korean American staff who've who have worked in like with the LA branches or like even any type of US branches of like Mnet CJ CJ ENM um, places like them like it's really obvious like or even if you just worked in PR in general like it's really obvious that she's a plant and 
Yeah, I, I do agree that, like, I don't really see anything wrong with, like, people being um, on Twitter as, like, company employees. Yeah, But sure. they have, yeah, they have to be honest about it, though. Like, you can't just be like, oh, like, I'm a casual, like, not suspicious at all, like, not a plant fan, like, just here to, like, encourage you guys, like, encourage the fandom, and then puts out, like, obscure information that only a company employee can know. It's crazy to me. Um how gullible and naive um and to me i guess maybe that's another thing it's just like almost a paternalist attitude that like oh well you know these people could never be smart enough to (laughs) to to like play play us for fools like we're the Mm -hmm. smart ones I, i i don't know it's just it's so strange to me like how you can be so gullible yeah like how i mean it it also like plays into like again like sites like netizen buzz panchoa adding on to this company employees lying like that and also like i'll just add in this too but like that that's a diaspora issue but like korean people from the motherland they have a very they have some interesting like opinions about like overseas koreans like overseas like korean americans or like any diaspora in general like they kind of have like a weird like, there's some tension about that, too, starting from, like, before. Like, that's a complicated issue, but, like, I've also encountered that when I was working, um, that, like, some first-generation Koreans will look down on Korean diaspora for a variety of reasons. And I think if she is a first-generation Korean, I think, like, part of the reason why she plays into, like, oh, you know, you guys can never, like, tell that I'm a company employee <laughs> is that... I think she underestimates diaspora again because of that, again, like that conflict between us and people from the motherland, like including that in the equation too. And also like what, you know, what Big Hit is telling her to do. Like, I think, I think she does have some sort of arrogance of like, oh, you know, the diaspora won't like catch on to me when she forgets that like the United States is like the number one country that has like the highest number of like Korean immigrants because of the war. Like, a lot of people came here. I mean, even before the war, but especially afterwards. So there's, like, a very prominent population here. So if she has a problem with any of us, like, (laughs) I mean, she she knows what she's doing. Like, she knows exactly what she's doing. And I wish that, um, I wish she was just honest with it. But she is very protective of the status that she has, too. Her Twitter following status, like even though yeah. she is a big hit employee, she feels very protective of like the cult following, like the celebrity status she has, and anything that threatens that is gonna get shut down. <laughs> yeah, so. which I mean, which I guess was um, anyone who asks her why she's deliberately mistranslating an article um, yeah. <laughs> would go right to that. But you know, I think part of it too. Mm-hmm. Maybe not just the paternalist attitude, but I do think that there are Western fans who aren't used to being, um, who aren't used to being like talked down to mm-hmm. and maybe don't realize when it's happening. You know, like I think, I think there's a part of the fan fandom that just will just take take this stuff kind of at face value because they're not used to they're not used to questioning sources they're not used to not being um respected so it doesn't Mm -hmm. occur it didn't it probably doesn't even occur to them that this might happen or that that you know like their best interests may not be 
at, at heart here. <laughs> like, because they're so used to being catered to that the idea that they may just be taken advantage of would never <laughs> have entered their heads. Because, like, yeah. why, why would anyone do that? Like, yeah. Yeah. That That is actually, a, this is why it's so complicated to talk about it. Um, because there's, like, so many things happening all at once. Because yeah. on one hand, there is a catering to K-pop, like, to international fandoms. Like, when Korea does, like, specific tourism videos or, like, offers... Um, exclusive like Korean language lessons to K-pop fans but they shut out like actual diaspora would try to sign up for them to connect you know with the motherland like aside from that there's also like a disrespect um, which I'm I'm not like too against because you know <laughs> like I, I see it as like evening evening the scales because they're what I mean by the disrespect is that from what I've heard from my relatives who worked in the industry and from what um from what i have also experienced like years ago is that um international fandoms were never and i don't think ever will be the target audience like even with the with the subtitle issue yeah. i feel conflicted about that but that's another thing about it and um and and k fans especially know like k fans know that these companies do not take international fans seriously um and i because i occasionally like read comments on that side of twitter where i, I think it's so funny because sometimes like they're really mean but <laughs> they they say stuff like oh like who cares about international fans like yeah they're saying xenophobic things but like they're never going to meet their idol so who cares like they're never going to get a fan sign they're never going to get a concert they're never going to get any type of engagement without like running to like billboard and like harassing like journalists to like oh, make a big hullabaloo like like it's so embarrassing <laughs> but and i have actually i've kind of decided that um i've gone to a handful of k-pop things like in america mm -hmm. and have had almost universally like terrible experiences mm -hmm. and i've kind of decided i don't really want to do that anymore if i go to concerts it'll be um or those kinds of concerts unless it's like you know in my city um i i just i don't know i i've told this story on here before i don't remember which episode but so i went and saw astro in um dallas right and luck of the draw this has never happened to me before but i got um front row seats like right in the center of the stage and um i really like and <laughs> I've gone to concerts in Japan for so long, like idol shows in Japan for so long. Like it's just sort of my ingrained manners are probably concert manners are probably closer to like sort of Japanese concert fan manners. And I don't have my phone out and, um, you know, I try to like pay attention and like follow along and like, uh, sing the lyrics where I know them, that kind of thing. Um, and I was sort of watching their faces and I could definitely tell like, when the crowd started getting aggressive that they look scared and and i'm like well yeah like the here's a foreign group i mean they don't really speak english um they don't know what to do like there's a culture gap like there's women like rushing at the stage i mean they were put, like i was getting shoved around it was extremely unpleasant until security like sort of took control um but I'm like, yeah, like it would be scary. And then you have to do a meet and greet. You don't share, <laughs> you don't, you know, like you don't yeah. share a language. Um, yeah. You don't share cultural um, 
uh, like gestures. Yep. Um, and mm-hmm. here's this group of fans acting extremely aggressive. Um, and there's just like a, a total disconnect there. So they were performing, but like it, it was like they couldn't really connect with us. And um, I mean, and I saw this all from like the front row and I felt <laughs> awful. Like I felt awful watching it. And um, I really tried to like interact, like engage, like make eye contact yeah. and like <laughs> made sure that they saw like I was mouthing the words like, um, but I'm like, wow, like who would want to tour to this? Like it's, it was just so unpleasant. And um, I don't mm. know, like I, I just feel like as long as that, that uh, gap exists, the West is just going to be ATM. I mean, that's all it can be because because that's there's no connection there's absolutely no connection and a big part of um of these like the the idol groups that like stay around a while like xinhua or um you know um uh, dbsk or um well i'm hoping shiny comes back but um like the fans like there's some connection there like um, you know, Shiny's got a big fan base in Japan they, because, like, they speak Japanese. Like, Taman speaks very good conversational Japanese. Like, he can talk with his fans. Like, there's a connection. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what are these groups that come to America and, you know, what do they do with us? They, you know, they sort of run through their their hits while fans, like, film them on their phones and then put the clips up online and, like, you know the cycle is complete like what like what what are we all getting out of this it just seems like such a empty sham Um, but it's it's true though there's there's very clear divides between international fans and korean fans and korean fans and the companies know that but do the international fans really know that because i've i've seen some weird like weird takes from international fans about that but but just as a general like consumer base, like international fans are not taken seriously. They're seen as easy money because they're desperate for like some sort of event. So they'll most likely like sell something out because it's also a rare opportunity for a lot of these um, idols to even come to their country. Also, like another weird thing is that like I don't understand the company stands among the international fandom. Like that's not present at all in the Korean fandoms. Like Korean fandoms like regularly bully and threatened like Korean companies like to do their jobs properly and they regularly protest um I mean that's been a long time coming but so they also don't understand that type of behavior from the international fans um when they like praise companies and like make stan accounts or like fan cams for like CEOs like that's like just very weird behavior to at least like the k-fan side 
but also I do like that you brought up that concert experience though, because that's also another like complicated feeling I have about these um, agencies about how they do like rarely ever offer these type of opportunities to international fans, but when they do like, it's very clear that in a way that like they don't take international fandoms seriously at these concerts, like the way that they organize things or like even the high touch, for instance, like how strictly they run that. Um, even like the fan signs, for instance, like when I can't speak for like Monster X or like any other like recent idol group that had a fan sign, but I can speak for Super M uh, because we like my friend and I, we had traveled there to attend one and it was very obvious. It was very obvious that it was very different environment from like Korean fan signs. Um, Korean fan signs go on for longer as in like you can see like a few performances or like the idols playing like games um, more fan interactions and when you do get your album signed like you have at least like maybe a minute of conversation time for each member and you can get your album signed by actually each member but Super M uh, you had to pick you had to pick your member or or in the first few fan signs I think at the Grove um, they actually, like, the staff would just, like, randomly, like, shove you to a member. Like, they would literally put your hands on your shoulders and just shove you to a random member. And that's the only person you could get your member um, signed for your album. I think the one that was at Fullerton that we had traveled to, um, that was the rare time when we could actually, like, pick a member, but we had to do it ahead of time um, through, like, Eventbrite. But that was like a whole fiasco but um it was very clear because like I understand Korean like I'm bilingual um so when I was there I heard um the staff like openly cussing at the members <gasps> which I was no. like yeah like I didn't talk about it on Twitter because I was like I don't want people like finding my account and like blowing me up again like like the Utah like I learned from the Utah situation that I should never do that because I god like the amount of like right-wing japanese people and like <laughs> k-pop stands like together like attacking me was like enough and oh i've had god. enough but yeah but i heard them you know call like i mean they didn't they weren't like super loud about it but like I, i've seen like at least like three or four members i mean staff members uh, most of them were women who were like oh like like kiseki this like kiseki that and i was like um huh like wh why are you I mean it wasn't loud but I could hear it and I mean of course they weren't expecting like anyone to know Korean but I heard it and I remember feeling awful and um seeing how like okay nothing about the work culture has changed obviously but second like Temin, for instance um Temin and I think Mark and I think maybe Taeyong like they were they were visibly like kind of like pissed at the fan sign like i remember that very clearly because as i was like listening to that and like waiting in line like i was also like observing and listening to and just staff was already rude from the start in this industry but i've seen that they clearly have not changed um and going to that super m fan sign like made me feel awful because like I mean, I've always felt conflicted about even consuming about like the way that I even listen to K-pop, knowing like 
again, how it started, like even like what my relatives tell me about, you know, how the industry runs because of their own experiences working, but, and, and mine as well. But I felt really guilty after that fan sign. It was my first and only fan sign, but I felt really guilty because I could see visibly like how, how tired they were, how exhausted they were and how, how skinny they were too, you know, like, like they say like the camera adds 10 pounds and it's so true because when I saw them, like Mark's face, for instance, like he was the member that I chose to sign, but like, he was so, so tiny. And I was like, it made like, I guess like I was excited to experience like a fan sign at least for the first time, but I felt, I walked away like feeling really guilty and like having to reevaluate again. I mean, I'm already like a casual listener to begin with, but like after that fan sign, I was like, uh, I don't know about that. Like, I think this is something that a lot of international fans, I mean, fans everywhere, but really want to turn away from. Um, they don't want to look at it. They don't want to see when their idols get so, so, so thin, um, you know, what that actually means. Um, and they don't want to admit when, yeah, you know, like when you mm-hmm. see somebody who's like, oh, they're low energy, really? Or did they just haven't eaten in, you know, 36 hours? Um, yeah. It's, it's disturbing to me that, sort of the realities of this are not talked about they're not acknowledged um you know and and yeah like people will call out like a hairstyle and get really <laughs> mad about it that the idol yeah. i mean they may yeah. have fallen asleep in the chair like who yeah. knows maybe maybe they picked it out themselves but um more likely like they'll get mad about something like that than the fact that their idol has been in the rehearsal room for 18 hours and is still going like yeah you know it's it's the where like (laughs) like come on let's like let's like where are your priorities as a fan like it's the industry has a lot of issues Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I mean I think if fans did actually get together and like try to protest and um I mean let's why not put your effort where it might do some good yeah Exactly. Like, I mean, I, I've never been emotionally attached to any of these idols because of just, you know, growing up with like my family both being involved in the industry and also political activism and them, you know, telling me how the industry operated. And then I experienced like a small, like brief glimpse of that when I worked um, temporarily as like a remote, I mean, not a remote, but like a contracted interpreter. And to me, like, I understood why diaspora and, like, people back in the motherland, like, always called this, like, the worst, like, it's not only just a subculture, but it's, like, the worst industry to, like, it's the worst product to really get international acclaim. Like, the worst of neoliberalism politics being shown um, globally. And, you know, the IMF crisis definitely played into like why these K-pop groups even more like surged after like the late nineties. But um, I've always been like, just to me, like whenever international fans always talk about like, Oh, this person's not getting enough promo. Like it always came off and eventually like it got exposed that like a lot of these fans were saying that, but they were really meaning like, we're not seeing them enough. Like, can you make them work even more harder? Can you make them like appear up 
like more frequent type of thing and even just like the amount of like stuff that like stands say about like international stands talk about like oh so and so's lazy like so and so's not doing the choreo hard enough like are they forgetting their roots or whatever like or or making those horrible horrible youtube videos about talking about like how so and so is so lazy like that type of stuff i'm like have y'all ever considered that have you seen the diets that they're on like have you seen the amount of calories that they're allowed to eat and how many hours of dance practice that they do and how many how much sleep that they get or can even get during promotions like like people falling asleep when staff is doing their hair or their makeup is not supposed to be some sort of like cute like heartwarming image it's usually because that person didn't get like enough sleep maybe like three hours if they're lucky and they're trying to catch some some shut eye and or the chronic yeah. injuries. I mean, that that's yeah. one that always got me is sort of the casual dismissal of mm-hmm. chronic injuries is when you do see these idols um, with, I don't know, where you can just see them favoring certain legs or um, limping, you know, that some, you'll see footage of them limping after a concert or um, wearing um, tape and neck braces. And, and it's just like... <laughs> like it's it's distressing it really is distressing um or the the oh what was it um uh the the woman who was just booted from her group for bullying uh Jimin right from oh yeah AOA yeah yeah and I'm yeah. like well okay yeah bullying is horrible I I was bullied like in school like really badly like I I don't take that lightly but I mean, also, like, have we looked at her? She must weigh, like, 20 pounds. Like, she's clearly unwell. And yeah. and it's like, <laughs> where where are our priorities? Like, as fans, like, what are where are our priorities? It really reminds me of seeing all these, um, mm-hmm. the starlets, like, Lindsay Lohan and stuff, like, back in the day. Um, and just seeing them like waste away before our eyes and it's or the woman who passed away too um Brittany Murphy yeah um and it's like we just consume like we don't care like we really just don't care we just take the images and they live on our phones and like that's it there's no no sense of ethical responsibility or anything as um fans at all and I think I find that more disturbing than anything else is that we're ready to cancel over everything. But yeah. the fact that this is a human being who is probably under a lot of pressure herself, like that just sort of never enters into it. Yeah, I, I think like a lot of people need to also take that into factor. Like that's why like I, I never I don't like music shows for that exact reason. Like I don't believe I don't I believe that music shows need to be abolished like you don't need to be promoting the same song for daily like that for like straight like two to three months like that's a lot of stress and pressure on your body and you know seeing so many idols from the start like having like herniated disc or like some sort of like lumbar region like the lower back region injury and I'm like oh my god like that's already chronic back issues for life wasn't it um, Boa who said she has like the knees of a 50 year old yeah and she's like what 32 yeah. <laughs> yeah like that 
that takes wear and tear on your body. Like I remember so many idols later on talk about how they couldn't get pregnant. They had so much issues like yeah. trying to get like conceived because, because of the they, diets. Yeah, yeah, like they just don't have periods. Exactly. Like, it's like the um, like the Olympic gymnasts um, where they just don't have a period because they're so underweight. Like that's not normal. Um, and it's not good. And um, yeah, like I really, I don't know, like this kind of stuff really bothers me. And it just, it just gets swept under the rug. Um, even the, you know, the sort of interminable uh, dark side of K-pop, like pieces <laughs> that come out every once yeah. in a while. Like they don't talk about it. No, they don't. They don't talk about it um, because like at the end of the day, I feel like the idols, the people that were supposed to be standing just get sort of forgotten. That's my main problem with it too. Like it's, it's always been an open secret that trainees and idols themselves, some of them are subjected to physical abuse and to sexual harassment, um, which could come in form of like forced sponsorship offerings. But you know, like we all saw, I mean, well, the fans who remember it, at least like we all saw the nine muses documentary like years ago of like that. I think it was a manager who was like, even though he was on camera, he was slapping the leader with like, yeah, I mean, he was, he wasn't slapping her with the hand, but like, but, but still like slapping her with like, I think a rolled piece of like paper or something and like berating her and making like taunting her in front of the members and calling her like worthless uh i mean she's not the only case like there's been so many cases of like uh, i mean sm's pr team has scrubbed the photos off of course but they're not the only ones who try to do this but there have been photos of trainees that circulated of bruises that um were usually placed around like the arm area and that's it was usually like pictures of them in a training room like in a practice room and you know like even Stella Kim she's she was a confirmed like I think she was confirmed for SNSD's lineup before she left but she has openly talked about like how miserable she was under SM's training system about how she was body shamed like every week because they would make trainees line up and weigh them in front of everyone and if they didn't meet their goal they would be shamed in front of their trainees in front of the others and be told that like you can't even do this like do you even really want to be an idol like how much do you want this if you can't even lose like five five pounds like like stuff like that I mean and it's not just SM like it's a it's a very foolish lie to think that there's a good company anywhere not just Korea but anywhere especially in the entertainment industry but just you know, I don't understand why these like international fans are like, oh, you know, we stand the company or like if you don't stand them, like don't talk to us or whatever nonsense, like when all of them are guilty of partaking in this and also having very suspicious like government ties. Like, I mean, Luna's company is just one of them that I talked about. And then I also got Orbit's angry, but um like, I remember when Luna came out, like, I was suspicious because I was like, that's more than the usual funding for an idol group. Like, who's backing them? And I looked them up and I was like, oh, it's, it's Irigong. Like, I, I knew of it because 
the CEO of Irguang Group at the time, like Yigute, I think, he got arrested for corruption charges and for harassing a celebrity like Clara. I don't know if some people know the know her, but like he he was arrested for both of that. And the the conglomerate in general has a history of like specializing in weapons trading with not just the US Army, but with other countries as well. So I guess like that's my question. Like, can you even ethically like consume K-pop if you're focusing more on like, oh my God, like my bias is like slacking. Does he is he dating someone or is he like forgetting that he, where he came from? Or like if if that's what you're focusing on rather than like questioning maybe like, hmm, like what about the mistreatment? What about like the abuse that goes behind the scenes and usually is obvious, like and also the restrictiveness too for these idols, like the V lives, for instance. Like people have obviously seen how strict managers are during V lives for a lot of groups. I mean, it's it's one thing, like of course, like calling out cultural appropriation is important. Like I'm not denying that, but I also kind of wish I could see, um, you know, like stands have so much huge potential, like international stands specifically, like if they also like made kind of like a collective or something to like bully companies in general, like, you know, I, I wonder how like all these companies just take in minors, like children, most of the times use them and abuse them and use them for like, like what, like five, six years while they're active and then toss them aside without like giving them like a career backup plan or helping them even transition. To me, that's just like, to me, that never made any sense. It's and, really, it's, it's, yeah. yeah, and this is something I've talked about before, but, I mean, just think about, like, the Cassies that banded together, um, mm-hmm. you know, to help JYJ in their lawsuit. And, I mean, yeah, if international fans actually banded together and boycotted some release you know until they got like specific changes i mean obviously you'd have to work with um korean fans but i I, yeah like i just feel like we do represent like a pocketbook like in a boycott or something like that would would really send a message but um i i just think international fans are too caught up in in like the game they're too caught up in the game, and if anyone suggested it, their first reaction would be, oh, well, you're just trying to bring down, you know, whatever rival group. Like, oh, you're just trying to bring down NCT. Oh, you're just trying to bring down BTS by doing this. That's, like, and as long as that's the attitude, nothing is going to change. And, the you know, as long as there's this sort of mass of fans in America and the UK and Australia that they can't see beyond this game you know as soon and like that nothing is going to change until the next big One Direction comes along and then they'll all sort of move on to that leaving this like husk (laughs) like and and I think that people like me and you and like long term like the long term fans I know. I mean the reason that we're we get concerned about like well um well like BTS, like where are their solo careers? Because 
we know that yeah like as yeah. soon as soon as they're of no use to big hit they're on the they're on the curb yep and they're not known in korea so what are they gonna do they're gonna have debts they're gonna have um they're gonna be supporting family members um like what are they gonna do and yeah and i think that if international fans like until they understand that part that their idols are disposable um then yeah absolutely nothing is gonna change i mean you know your your experiences with also like massive targeted like fandom harassment oh yeah yeah and then for for me like just I mean I've gotten death threats and harassment from practically every fandom at this point I think like mainly like armies NCT stands uh orbits well, I, I think yeah. a lot of <laughs> former armies are now NCT stands and have taken their bad their bad habits with them I think this this like meshment like I I think like a lot of these fans like well I don't know about Korean fans for this one, but international fans definitely just observing them on Stan Twitter these past few months, like, are definitely one, like, they see themselves as, like, meshed with the group themselves, so they take it as a personal attack, even if you're not, you know, saying anything bad, per se, about, you know, the group, but they see it as a personal attack, or, like, they're, or some of them are just really unhealthily, like, ways of like attached to these idol groups so they lash out at any type of proper criticism in general and um and they have like these weird coddling that they do with like their idol groups like not just with like the bts situation when jim jones like that sample oh, that terrible terrible <laughs> do you want to explain <laughs> would you like oh to explain who like, jim jones actually is in korea <laughs> no one knows about jim jones in korea so this didn't make any sense to me about like how armies were trying to run this narrative like oh getting over 40k likes about like you know what this is a setup against yoongi because jim jones was anti-korean so he you know yoongi sampled him because he was dissing him that's the case like i was like um what like Jim Jones is not taught about in Korea. Like, there's no connection to him about Korea besides the fact that he was trying to appeal to his followers by being anti-imperialist. So he endorsed, like, the DPRK's um, existence at the time. That's the only thing. But people actually taking that as proof and being like, oh, my God, he sided with with North Korea. Like, that's why he's anti-Korea. I was like, once I saw that, I was like, oh, I have no hope for any K-pop stands, like reading comprehension or even knowing about our history or respecting us in general. Because like, I mean, I saw like Korean fans being like, what the hell are you talking about? Like the North is not, not our enemy and never were. Like that's our own people. Like why are you like running this weird narrative about Jim Jones being anti-Korean when being anti-North means that you're anti-south so like like we're we're like a package deal like just because like the u.s army like cut us into like the 38th parallel like doesn't mean that we see the north as the same way that you k-pop stands see them like that's our family like that's our fellow our fellow friends like our fellow neighbors that we want to reunite with hopefully in this you know in this lifetime if we can and 
here you are like running your mouth, like saying, talking about shit that you don't even know and trying to proclaim you as experts. And then you get embarrassed because your hashtags make it over to the Korean side of Twitter and then Korean Twitter blows it up and then Korean media picks it up and is like, look at what these clowns are doing. Like, look at what these clowns are doing to defend BTS. Like, not only are they shaming B- BTS like this, but they're shaming our own national neighbors like this. Like, I was like looking at that and I was like, oh, I mean, you guys kind of brought that up on yourselves. So I'm I'm just going to stay away from that. But I, I remember when that all happened in June. And I also called Yoongi out for saying that like insensitive statement about COVID. Um because like people were not translating that properly again, but I called them out for that, and that's when you know the armchairs, as I call them, like started attacking me. But uh, yeah, that incident was just so bizarre, and they're still clinging onto that narrative. And just like today's tweet about like the Umbrella Academy, that was so, it was so gross, like so condescending, and tweeted as like kind of like a gotcha, but like. It, oh, I it didn't doesn't see matter. That. What was yeah. the what was the Umbrella Academy it, thing? It was I think it was like a BTS stand who was like, oh, you know, trigger warning, like one of the episodes of Umbrella Academy like talks about um it talks about Jim Jones, like you K pops <laughs> like you other K pop stands better send like get like better get the email template ready. Like I was like <sighs> first of all, like BTS is K pop. Like I don't care what their stupid ass stands to like try to say like um, they're k-pop that's that always cracked me up too like <laughs> bts is the genre oh okay so the genre is written by lauv and melanie fontana sure <laughs> <laughs> oh my god like that's in itself ed like sheeran that, ed yeah. sheeran is wrote the genre yeah, sure oh, if that's god. what you want to go with fine <laughs> like that's like another issue that I'm just angry with these stands about like because you're exposing already like what you think of Korea just by talking about it like in that way like you don't think that we're good enough no they don't yeah they don't and that's why that's why you see these stands saying things like oh BTS should just come over and live in America that that would that would (laughs) never happen that will never happen and I can say that with 100% fact like I know too many of like how our culture is like too much and even idols, like some of them have exposed themselves too, but like a lot of them are very um, patriotic in a way that a lot of these idols are visibly like they want to go home when they're doing US promos. Like, oh, yeah. 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 So it's like, sure. so it's like when, when international fans are saying like, oh my God, like they're trapped in the K-pop industry. They should come here to America to experience freedom. Like freedom from what? Home? Exactly. Like, <laughs> Like that's home. That's home to them. That's home to freedom, us. Like, what are you talking to, like, about? Freedom to like speak a li- <laughs> like speak a second language that and eat like strange food. Yeah, like why? Why would you like, want that? And like, yeah, yeah, it yeah. doesn't make sense. No. And the translation nonsense too with the Yungi statement. Oh my god! Like I've that's why I got in trouble with the dream, <laughs> dream stance too because I I said that you know Timmy did say that insensitive slur. And that he should face up for it. Um, Because there is also like a prominent disability rights movement in Korea by a local activist. And, you know, he knows, like he's old enough to know. And, but like, that's like another issue too, that like even the fandom translators, most of them don't hold their idols accountable. So like 
when an actual like non like stan like a casual listener like me or like other people like call it out and be like why'd you mistranslate we're met with like with a bunch of death threats and harassment and like being called liars and you know being called like company plants or like spies or something oh yeah yeah <laughs> i've been called an sm spy and i'm like well where's my check uh, then? yeah exactly. mr lisa man where's my check <laughs> like especially after what the utah situation did i was like sm like i mean you should have gotten arrested by interpol like way <laughs> ago but like even more so like the fact that it, like the diaspora has to face explaining japanese imperialism to all these k-pop stands like you need to run all of us a check like yeah i can't i honestly like as tired as i am of dealing with like people that have taken no time to do basic research um about like this country they supposedly stand like i can't imagine what it must be like to, to have people explaining your own culture back to you like (laughs) that's like that's why i always call it like it's ethnicity roulette like if you mention that you're korean but it's only because it's it only comes up conveniently when you're trying to talk about korean culture or like translations when your idol is in trouble like this is the only time when i'm thankful for those selfie selka days or whatever these fans do like that's the only time when i'm thankful because i look through it and i'm like are you actually korean like are you like do you match um, match what you're saying like or like it's just so weird like i have never seen any type of stand move like that who feel like they should be the voice about cultural issues like that because i don't remember one direction fans being like that like i mean maybe i missed it or something but like i don't remember them talking about british politics in that way or like talk about how like british is committing like britain is committing like war crimes <laughs> in their aids of like <laughs> Of, like, selling, like, weapon sales to, like, the massacre in Yemen. Like, no one talks about that. Like, no one really talked about that. So, like, why are you, like, K-pop stands talking about how enlistment should be run, about how Korea, like, how the Korean War happened? Why are you talking about Japanese imperialism like this? Like, I I was, like, dead at, like, how easily these fans were accepting an explanation from, like, a Japanese-American fan. Like... Of course, they're not going to be talking about the oppressive ways that they literally colonized almost the entire region. Like, even even in Japan, like war crimes are taken out of their textbooks. So, like, whatever. Oh, yeah, they're not. They're yeah. not taught. They're yeah. not taught about it. It's but it's it's, it's yeah. It's mm-hmm. the same here. I mean, Americans yeah. we're not taught about about the stuff. The Brit the British they're not taught about it. Um, like because it's it is uncomfortable to talk about. But I think if you do want to dip your toe into like (laughs) the political side i think you do need to learn about this stuff and if you don't want to i also think that's fine i mean i think it's totally fine to not care about any of the the politics and you just want to enjoy the music but if that is the case then keep your mouth shut (laughs) yeah like like pick a side pick a side (laughs) and stick with it because i'm tired of seeing these people try to dictate what the Korean government should be run like or like what Korea deserves or whatever nonsense like someone really tried to excuse like war crimes and I was like looking at them like like almost the entire Asian diaspora and beyond have grandparents like we have grandparents who were almost kidnapped by the Japanese Imperial Army 
for the comfort women stations or either that or like they personally fought in the liberation movement so like seeing that like just thinking about that and just, just seeing like how k-pop stands are defending the prime minister of all things of japan i was like like everyone in korea hates him because he freaks out every time we put up any type of comfort woman statue honoring them like he freaks out and talks about how like oh we're gonna we're gonna talk about like rescinding diplomatic relations with korea again like any type of pol like foreign policy in korea between china and japan especially because of our shared history nothing is on by accident like even the thad issue like which i don't understand why k-pop stands were like oh my god it's a conspiracy theory like so many korean activists were protesting that as well like saying that we don't want this in our backyard like stop putting nuclear plants in our backyard like and and china of course like responded with not just the hollywood ban but like economic sanctions of course and that was like over a 500 million loss at the time and it's why like a lot of chinese korean idol groups also fell at the at the seams at the time like um mix was one of them they were a girl group that oh just yeah. disbanded i yeah. think um uh unique too sadly yeah them too rp yeah. because they were great they did yeah. the um better version of dope back in uh, yeah. 2015 uh, yeah with I know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i do try to to do my research but i it's one of those things where I know enough to know that I don't know anything and really um I don't and that's why I like I for the most part like I'll read about this stuff but um it's not my place to to be advocating for anything um it, about it like that's just not and I think international fans really just need to take a step back about all of this stuff because you're you're not there yeah you're not directly affected yeah and i mean i think like as far as is wanting like you know wanting to 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 feel like you're part of something i mean i think that's great but i mean especially americans like you really have to understand why there are so many korean americans here in america um exactly like, like you know it's 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 not coincidence um and and yeah like just I, I don't know like i feel like there just needs to be more awareness of like why we have such a large korean diaspora population um it's yeah it's it's not like a big chunk of the country was like oh um actually i think america's really great i'm gonna go there like that's that's not that's <laughs> yeah, not what happens. Like, like I think people forget like how devastated the country was yeah. after what the US did to us and their allies. Um or and even our support yeah. for certain governments. Um, exactly. and certain repressive things that they did to keep the population um in line. Um yep. there's you know. that's a lot. That's a lot already in a nutshell. Like yeah. Yeah. we Korea because I mean, that's the, why. Yeah, isn't the I mean, the whole reason um, Lee Suman went to study in America in the first place was um, the iffy political situation back home, yep. if I remember it, correctly. Yeah, it it was exactly that, and 
and and also like the parasite director as well, Bong Juno, like he participated in the protests too, uh, the same protests that like my parents were a part of at the time uh, against, um, I think it was for the democracy movement for the right-wing U.S.-backed regimes of both <laughs> Park Chung-hee and Chun Doan. Um, yeah, yeah. Like... I'm probably gonna, yeah, I'm probably just warning you in advance. I'm gonna have to edit. Um, yeah. <laughs> edit carefully. But um, I will definitely, I will get the yeah. sentiment in there. I just yeah. think, yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, I think if people want to want to learn more, they can um, read. Uh, yes. Read some some great sources out there. Um, I'll I'll uh, recommend my friend Matt from uh, Gossip Popular feeling his blog again. He was in episode twenty five talking about sort of the origins of um, uh, Korean rock uh, yeah. from the U.S. military bases. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. yeah, like I mean the the things that I will like politely say at least like you know. Korea was used as a chemical warfare testing ground, first of all. Like, the U.S. dropped over 625,000 tons of bombs on us. The country was devastated. And we couldn't even... So if you think about it, like, really, if you take out those two right-wing, you know, regimes that were U.S.-backed, we haven't really had a political situation that has been stable until after like way past the eighties. So it's not that much if you think about it, no, if you calculate it into years. Well, and, and then you had the, yeah. um, that massive economic collapse in the yep. late nineties and had to re- I mean, yeah. had to rebuild everything from there. I mean, it's um, yeah, it's pretty incredible. And I, I think like Pak Chung and Chun Doan, like, not only w- while they were receiving funding from the U.S. government, uh, specifically the Jimmy Carter administration, to massacre our own people, um, they also terrorized the entertainment industry. Like, Chun Doan's wife, for instance, like, it doesn't get translated over to here, but it's, like, common knowledge among, like, the population that his wife... would terrorize the actresses or singers that her husband would fancy or even like spare a glance to so like they had done a lot of you know a lot of horrible things to not just the entertainment industry but people in it but they also would imprison anyone who would criticize their um their administration which also included a a lot of prominent um, fashion designers at the time and a lot of film directors and they would either target them like blacklist them prevent them from leaving the country sometimes even imprison them and execute them like it, I mean I've had questions from other people um, who are interested in fashion ask me like why is there not a domestic fashion luxury label yet from Korea and I'm like well to explain that you know I have to explain like how the U.S. funding like played into that like we had great fashion designers it's just not all of them survived unfortunately because of what happened during those two regimes and it, it's just so unfortunate yeah there were i mean the i talked about the um marijuana wave of arrests in the 70s that i mean basically wiped out a generation of musicians um really talented ones too very very talented musicians just wiped out um and that was it 
uh, exactly it just yeah. it it was just um yeah and and i think that yeah like the money like the funding like that can't be ignored really um there was just and i sent you the link to it but <laughs> there was that um article or articles uh, like within the last like 10 years about how um the cia sort of funded um modern art like jackson pollock and all of these like really pushed this sort of generation of modern artists overseas and um in like the late 40s early 50s like right when like the cold war was kicking off um and um like this was stuff that people didn't necessarily like um or find like enjoyable at all but it was supposed to represent like a blow against communism because where yeah. where like the in the soviet union they had these strict rules for like what you could and couldn't do as art um this sort of modern art like destroyed all of it and so even though this wasn't stuff that was necessarily like popular or had an like an audience at all um it was sort of brought overseas um and displaced like sort of the domestic art in a lot of these countries where they were you know war-torn and still rebuilding and um yeah it's it's just that's the kind of thing where it, you know if you like jackson pollock's paintings and like modern art like great um it doesn't take away the value of the painting but I mean, this stuff isn't an accident. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. You know, it, it doesn't mean that there's no value in it, but you have to, like, when there is just this wave of, of art and there is government money behind it, like, it's not an accident. And it doesn't mean that, like, the art itself is meaningless or worthless as art, um, but it does mean you need to take a look at, at what it is that you're consuming if you're doing it more than passively like mm -hmm. exactly and yeah if you are choosing to invest a lot of time and money into this hobby um i really think it's it's worth your while to just stop and think about where you're placing value um is this just something to boost your own self-esteem when you see your favorites like get a billboard um, number one mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, yeah. Or is it? Or is it some? Is it a way for you to complain about the Grammys being um, xenophobic because you're white and you have no other entry into identity politics? Um, like it's people stand for a lot of reasons, but I think that it's worth stopping and, and thinking about what it is that you're actually consuming. Exactly. It's it's the worst um, fandom nonsense I have ever seen. Like, no one should be anxious about K-pop, like, saying an opinion about a song. They, no one should be scared that they're going to be doxxed or something or, like, sent a death threat. Like, I, I think this is probably one of the worst situations I've ever seen because I have seen all sorts of defenses, like, getting over 10K likes for everything under the sun, like, from... The BLM issue with the donation, 
to Japanese imperialism of all things with the Utah situation and then to the Korean War nonsense like people saying that like oh I, I genuinely couldn't believe my eyes when I saw like a tweet get 40k likes about like oh you know BTS can't talk about Black Lives Matter because if they do the US troops are gonna restart the Korean War again and I was like what? um first of all no like I mean the Korean War technically never ended under the treatment i mean the treaty that was signed again by the u.s so that's already wrong to begin with and second like the u.s would literally attack for reasons beyond k-pop of all things like, k-pop is nothing <laughs> no one k-pop cares. is literally nothing no one gives a shit like Nobody no one cares. cares no one cares like the only time they would probably attack us is like anytime we assert like peace treaties about stuff like we want reunification that's the only time when the u.s is like oh you know gotta remind you guys that we can nuke you like if you try that like i i just i to me when k-pop stands talk about amplifying korean voices <laughs> in particular i'm like where where is this like where is this fantasy land you guys are talking about because you've harassed every korean fandom translator off this app you've harassed random korean people who don't even know k-pop and harass like actual stan accounts or like casual listeners like i am um into not talking about certain things like where are you amplifying like all i see is that you guys are amplifying your own voices as a fandom that's the only thing like you do not give a crap about any minority rights or anything like that um and i wish they would just be honest with it like just if you're if you're a terrible person just be honest and just say that you're a terrible person and you don't care like instead of trying to make yourself seem like you're so morally like above everything like I'm just over it and I I cannot imagine like how ridiculous like this is gonna seem because k-pop is finite like k-pop is not like Oh, the bubble. The Giant bubble K-pop. is. Yeah. The bubble like, is burst. The bubble is burst. Like, yeah. It's... That's a feeling that I've gotten yeah, yeah. this past few months. And I've been waiting to see, like, when is this finally going to die down? Because I want you guys all gone. Like, anyone who's problematic, which is, like, a lot of fandoms, like, I want you guys to leave. Find your One Direction and just leave us alone. And let the healthy fans, at least, like, you know, uh, enjoy K-pop because... From what I've seen, like, K-pop groups don't even last beyond most of the times, like, the seventh year mark or even the eighth year mark. Of course, there are exceptions, but most of the times, like, if groups are even lucky to make it to the seventh or eighth year, like, most of them disband and a lot of them either get married to, like, stockbrokers or some sort of business owner or, like, a person in the industry or like, like a non-celeb or they try to go into like a solo career where they're doing musicals or like acting and dramas or you know if they can they get like cf shoots or like even makeup promotion deals like or if you're um jejun like yeah you, for some reason have enchanted yeah. the japanese public <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's kind of interesting in that case. Like, I I don't know what's going on with him, he but, had, like, I've... He had a number one record in Japan. Like, yeah, it's crazy. They love him. I don't know. I thought, like, the COVID statement would, like... No, he had a number... Do- he, yeah. His album got to number one. <laughs> yeah, and I just... I was, like, you know, good on him, but he's, like, 
an exception. Like yeah, a lot of K-pop places, so. like a lot of K-pop idols doing well in Japan is not common, but he has somehow bridged that and it's very interesting to see. Um but like I mean, I don't know if stands like have selective amnesia or something, but they like do. yeah. They <laughs> a lot do, of idols yeah. don't make it after they disband. A lot of them just go back to like civilian life and try to get married and try to get jobs and and this is why I'm angry at these companies because you have a responsibility, an ethical one to at least support them in career transitions and help them out since you robbed their youth and abused them and now you're sacking them away after you're done with them like that's my problem with it and and I wish yeah. k-pop stands would also realize that like it's not common for these idols to like last solo wise after yeah. they disband I remember seeing somebody arguing me you know back when I could <laughs> when I could have a twitter um bickering with me about like oh in 20 years we're gonna see um bts just like um you too doing stadium tours i'm like what with uh, what with what knee ligament <laughs> like, oh yeah that's you know what are they they're gonna be doing fake love when they're 50 are you kidding um it's it's insane but yeah i you know and i i come from um a pretty varied background like as far as fandom stuff goes but um, I mean, I, I follow sports, um, and I've also, um, you know, sort of other, other arts, but I mean, there are things that other industries have done, um, at least in the U S but I mean, if you're like, um, in ballet, there are, there is some exit counseling and, and like placement services and, and you can, at least there's somebody that you could go talk to. Um, about leaving the industry and, and sort of transitioning to a new career um, in sports. I mean, I feel like sports is one of the things that um, uh, I wish that, well, I mean, they do better than K-pop, which is not saying much, but I mean, you know, it's, they have players unions and um, like it would just be, nice if some of this energy put towards um bickering with you know f fans of different idol groups could be put towards something like working together to encourage something like a um you know an idols union or something where they at least have yeah. like mm -hmm. this is something I've, yeah. <laughs> I've thrown around before but i would love to see like that this is what i think i mean that international fans don't understand is like the the men in XO if you're a BTS fan the men in XO they're not your enemy um and they probably have more in common with the members of BTS than um than they do with you like it's exactly it's like they're they're on the same side um they're not enemies it's like you know, if you're a fan of the New York Yankees, like the Red Sox, the Met, like the, the mem, like they're not the enemy. Like you may hate the fans, but like the players on the, like the, the players on every team are on the same team, basically against management. Um, you know, trying to look out for, for the other players. Like that's, uh, I don't know. I mean, some sports have better player unions, but, um, but yeah, I feel like that's like that's something that I wish um, more fans understood is like 
the members of like a rival group they're not your enemy um, exactly they're they're <laughs> on the same side as the members of the group that you stand um and like calling them flops or whatever is not helping anything like it just makes you look obnoxious <laughs> that's all it I, does i remember like uh thinking of just like also like another bts stand saying like oh like i can't wait until bts like live streams their marriage on v live in like 20 years Ew. i was like are you out of your are you out of your mind that's disgusting like, that's that but that was a hit tweet in their fandom like that got a hit tweet while i was just reading that horrified and i was like i was like you guys think that when like a lot of them have shown openly like contempt toward your actions <laughs> like i mean you know just not just that but like i don't know if they realize too that like a lot of the interactions we don't get to see on camera about like how many friendships these idols even share like I, I mean, I can't speak for the other ones, but I know for a fact that, like, Korean-American idols definitely have their own support group because of, again, that goes back to the diaspora conflict between, yeah. you know, how we're viewed in the motherland. But they band together. So, like, even, you I'm know, glad. people you're calling them flops, like, yeah. they're most likely friends or at least, like, acquaintances behind the scenes. So I'm just imagining how awkward it is, like, to, like, hang out with one another and be like, oh, did you see, like, what your fandom, like, trended, like? <laughs> yesterday against my group like it's so embarrassing it's so embarrassing like in i don't know like i've said this before but that fans don't understand that these idols i mean they can feel real contempt i think for their for their fan bases like i, I think yeah, it must be really hard sure. at times to like get on that stage well like i saw like an astro um you know when fans are behaving so poorly and dangerously in some ways um i mean not even like starting it on like the sussing stuff and like getting stalked i mean just that feeling of like being under constant surveillance is just i mean it's just inhumane i think and also i'm just thinking of like how um I remember this also goes back to the super m experience i had that made me feel even worse was that I saw, like, a ton of fans just, like, openly, like, sobbing while they're talking to the members. Openly sobbing or, like, screaming um, oh. whatever they can. Like, like marriage proposals, like, I love you, I love you, I love you type of thing. Or, like, just, like, stuff that, I, I mean, they seemed exhausted, so I don't think the fans were helping either. But, like, I remember when it was my turn to go up and I asked my question to Mark. Um, he looked so taken aback because he seemed like he was expecting me to again like scream at him or like or like talk to like like say something ridiculous like <laughs> ask like a, a question like oh what did you eat for breakfast today <laughs> like all those video calls that fans have been doing but no oh, I just God. asked him a normal question and I think I could have like I could tell that it took him aback and he yeah. had he had to like I think like he took a while to think and that's kind of why I got like a longer time to like talk to him at least um, even though staff tried to snatch my album multiple times and he told to knock them off like stop but it it was very noticeable like I remember also like the there was another girl that I was talking to in line where she asked Lucas you know how are you feeling and he was honest like he was just honestly like genuinely I'm like tired <sighs> 
<laughs> yeah, like genuinely, I'm tired. I like him actually. I think he's. Uh, yeah, I and I felt quite charming. Felt so yeah, yeah. There's something something very charming about him. His well, um, it is his yeah. openness. I think. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> I do too. Which is probably why he was selected for Super M. I think because I think yeah. uh, it doesn't come off as well like in other um, contexts. Like, oh, I think yeah. I think his yeah. I think like Chinese fans maybe don't find it quite as uh, charming, but I think there is something like charming about it. Yeah, like I I guess like I was lucky to be able to see all of that happen though with the staff nonsense and then like Mark's reaction and the others because it was kind of awkward because I was like I don't know if you know what happened but at the Fullerton one that we traveled to there was a girl like a Taeyong stan I think who had gone in before us and she made like a huge mess <gasps> like she she was filming she was oh filming when they they purposely said not to film or you'll get kicked out but she hid like her phone in her dress I think and staff could tell and said you know stop like you're getting kicked out and she made a huge mess like screaming like oh my god you're violating my fourth amendment or whatever and you're you're sexually assaulting me by this and all the members saw that and she was dragged out I remember I saw a video of it and I was like oh my god like because that had happened like I think like around 20-ish minutes before like me and my friend like we could finally go in so I had no idea this even happened because I wasn't like they were letting in fans like um group by group yeah so they were numbering us off so I didn't know that had happened but I remember going in and I was the first person to be up but I was like thinking like oh my god like I, I know you guys are tired but did something happen like why why does everyone look so like kind of even more like kind of tired and like pissed off in a way but because of that situation like I think that even further like showed again the exhaustion that sometimes like some of these fans like kind of need to like think about the questions that they're asking or even yelling in their idols faces and just show some you know some proper boundaries and even like a good question could leave like a really good impression like I remember when I asked mine like it seemed like it left a good impression with pretty much all of them because I wasn't screaming and I wasn't asking something weird like I wasn't screaming like a marriage proposal or any kind of nonsense like that I just asked a normal question and that you know left a memorable experience for me so I I, I think that fans should also like question and like reflect what their actual behavior would be like if they actually managed to meet any of these idols in person um, yeah so yeah yeah i agree i think that's a good note to end on too um and maybe we can um play out with the they just released it on um youtube mm -hmm. with you oh okay that's great with you <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh. With you, everybody, art time. <laughs> Sing along, you should learn lyrics. Let's go. Okay. Like the sun that hangs above the sky, I wanna see us falling, you and I. Like the ocean gives away the breeze, I wanna ride your web and be your tie. What you are is what I wanna know. Your hands are next to mine for its hold. This is all we're ever gonna need. Young is hard, so never get it old. So I don't wanna overthink about this. Can I take some time, make it reach out on my yeah. mind? I don't 